0: Today we're back with another episode of Bricks and Clicks. I'm Lucas Walker, host of Pit Stop Rolled Up, and apparently I'm hosting this episode today. So uh, I'm joined by the hosts of Bricks and Clicks, Johnny and Colin, partners at Omnium CPG. And we are talking about something very near and dear to my heart, which is why I'm doing the intro today. Why is it so hard to take legacy brands on Line. Johnny, Colin, do you want to say hi to the listeners? Hello, listeners. Hi, everyone out there. Let's jump into it then. Let's stop wasting time with the intro because nobody wants to hear that for too long. But why is it so hard to take legacy brands online? We have some that are doing pretty well, I think, like Nike, who famously pulled out of Amazon a couple weeks ago or years ago at this point. Then there are brands like a lot of furniture brands that are trying to sell through various means. Or if you've tried to buy a bicycle in the last summer, it's been hard. But with groceries, it's even harder to go online. What are some of the reasons for that of why it's so hard to take legacy brands online and looking at the different types of selling online?
1: Yeah, that's definitely a, I think you hit the nail on the head there with the different types of selling online. It's a broad question because there are so many different ways that you can go online.
0: I mean, you have direct consumer, which is let's just use Nike as as our example, because I think everyone's familiar with them, where they might sell direct to the consumers where you can go to Nike.com and buy a pair of shoes or accessories. Or you might go to Amazon or Runner's World or Dick's Sporting Goods website and buy there as well. It's still selling online, but
2: through direct channels and marketplace channels as well especially for CPG brands that we work with, sometimes they fall into the trap of, when they say e-commerce sales or online, it just defaults to Amazon. And they just think Amazon's the only place to sell online, that's what I need to focus all my time and energy on, which can lead them down some paths that make it harder to sell online, and some pitfalls of doing that strategy. And so I think we continue to talk to our brands about, like Paul mentioned, there are so many avenues online that you can sell on to try and pursue them all.
1: Let's say you're an online brand, Lucas, you got an online brand you own, or you're working with, and you say, we want to get into retail. And so you say, okay, we got in Kroger, we're in retail now. Like (laughs) that's not it. That's not the end. That's just the beginning. So I think the same thing happens with traditional brick and mortar companies. You get on Amazon, maybe you open up a direct consumer store. And then you kind of feel like you're online now.
0: We're doing the e-commerce. And I think one of the challenges is percentage of revenue. I mean, up until a year ago, e-commerce was growing at a steady pace, but it was not that much of market share. And in the prime COVID months of March to May, the industry grew as much as it did in those three months the previous 10 years. So you might have your own web store, which by the time you partner with a fulfillment company to send out individual items or try to do it in-house you're not really that profitable maybe you're going through amazon or other marketplaces again not crazy profitable it looks like it's cannibalizing your sales maybe if you're in just to use kroger for example A will call back to the previous episode where one SKU could be 1.3 million dollars through one account you're not going to get one SKU generating that much revenue through your website maybe in addition through amazon but probably not so it's easy to put on the back burner at least from my perspective of online versus retail
1: there are a lot of legitimate reasons why you might not be that excited about going into a bunch of small online retailers however the way that i've been thinking about it and i think johnny has been thinking about it similarly too is that there is a pretty clean analog to what we do in brick and mortar so brick and mortar, the name of the game is getting distribution. So getting your product in more stores so that you can be sitting on shelves so people can walk by it and see it and hopefully buy it. That's, that's the game. Online, we have this type of analogy where instead of walking by a shelf, you see it on a web page. Now there might be all these locations, all these different marketplaces or websites that don't do a ton of volume, but getting more places gives you a better chance of people seeing your product. And Lucas, I know you've talked to me a lot about the SEO that comes with that, right? There
0: are so many benefits and let's just remove profitability out of the equation. Let's assume all of this is going to be profitable, but by being on more websites, having more photos and images, links back to your original website, it makes you more credible when searching for things And it could be generic terms as industry shift. So let's say people are looking for more fair trade and let's just use a commodity like bananas, for instance. If people are searching for fair trade bananas, you want your brand to start coming up there. And as hard as it is to quantify brand, if I say Chiquita, most people probably think Chiquita bananas. It takes years, but you can build a brand for a commodity. But the easiest way to do that is to just have people try your product somewhere and increase those chances of finding, uh, God, I can't believe I'm about to say it, but a super spreader that gets your products into the hands of most people. And Johnny, Colin, you would know the cost per event to do this better, but what does it cost to do an in-store sampling? If I wanted to sample at the top 250 Kroger's where my products sell at least once throughout the year, what would it cost to run that type of promotion? And is that even effective?
2: Uh, Colin, I don't know if you have the top number, but I'll quickly just go through how that works. The manufacturer is paying full retail price. 200 stores.
1: Did we say 200 stores?
2: Yeah. I said 200 stores.
1: Yeah.
0: Or a hundred stores, whatever math is easy. Basically your, your cost per sampling in a store.
1: Yeah. 25 grand call it for one event in a hundred different stores.
0: So $25,000 to give away product twice a week.
1: And that's just for the honor of then giving away your product. That's before the cost of your product comes in.
0: Or person to run it. So let's double that. So let's say it'll be $50,000 by the time you factor in product labor displays and banners that get broken every four samplings. Plus just the honor of going in store and saying, Hey, would you like a piece of candy?
2: I think the online piece, like you said, if you get more channels online, more retailers, more vendors, it acts as a marketing platform for you as well, where I think you lose some of that when you're, in store and in retail so that's the benefit i think of online is you can really view it almost as a marketing experience especially on a website where it's just it is a marketing website
0: it's really lead gen in the sense if you were to say i'm going to take fifty thousand dollars and you could build a beautiful headless commerce website with that using shogun front-end sponsor the Rolled up network got to give them a shout out you could even just have a simple landing page that says, hey, try our products here. Give us your email. Where should we ship it to? And now you've captured email data that you own and you can use a tool like OmniSend to send that out. You could even have them pop in with SMS notifications, et cetera, which some people do want to do and notify people based on their zip code or postal code where their favorite grocery is or just ask them that question at checkout and you start to gain that proprietary data versus running only flyer promotions. Now you can double dip and run your own email promotion to those customers knowing where they shop during the time that you're in the flyer. Just send a picture of the flyer. We see it all the time sharing a picture of a billboard and that gets virality and it's just a picture of an ad. I mean, even this podcast is essentially an ad for Omnium CPG. So good advertising customers are interested in, or you get a little bit more creative and have your own call to action there, send us your proof of purchase from this store and we'll give you something else. So you can reduce your
2: costs that way as well. Yeah. I think it's just important to be conscious about what you're spending on and what you think you're getting. That's kind of the harder part with the online that we face with our manufacturers is how do you measure the return on that spend? where say I'm going to Kroger and running a 10 for 10 promotion, it's very easy to see what we got from that promotion. We were selling hundred units, now we're selling 200 units, we're back down to hundred units. We sold an extra hundred units due to that 10 for 10. It gets a lot more challenging to try and measure that for digital and e-commerce marketing vehicles and spend.
0: It's simultaneously way easier just running conversion ads, or if you track the conversion tracking in OmniSend or your email marketing tool, but you don't know
2: really tell you if it's incremental,
0: though, right it doesn't it's money in money out you don't know the full cohort analysis of someone who's on your list bought from you once and always goes in and and buys your products in a store whenever they see your emails they don't even open them they just see that you've emailed them
2: that's the part where it's tough is the incrementality i've found at least is a lot harder to measure but we're working on it we made a lot of progress on it in terms of measuring search dollars on amazon put together some really interesting findings around that various focus on Amazon here, some various, the prime deals and lightning deals and all, I mean, Amazon will have find many, many ways to take your money in different events. And so we've done a lot of due diligence around, okay, what do we believe is actually driving performance such as, i mean, not surprised to you, Lucas, I'm guessing, but like subscribe and save.
0: Subscriptions for e-commerce are the single most profitable thing that you can do.
2: Yeah. It appears to be a very profitable spend and drive a lot of incremental sales and it makes sense. So that's what our numbers show as well. It's just like try and get as much volume through that and minimize yeah, your your sort of cost per user in that. And then it's probably gonna be a lot of incremental sales from that.
0: So let's wrap it up here, uh, Johnny and Colin. If people want to know a little bit more, if they want to find out about some of those findings. Should we do a little little call to action, have people sign up where we can share that? I know Colin and I have chatted about doing some research. Where can people sign up to just learn a little bit more about that? I know if you go to rolledup.io slash Omni, I'll throw up a sign up page there for anything that we do in the future. Johnny, Colin, where can people find out more about some of the research and analysis you're doing with those online brands?
2: Yeah, they go to our website. So it's omniumcpg.com a lot of information about the company. We also have a blog where we publish various articles about interesting things that we might be working on. And then of course you can email us at info@omniumcpg.com. At you can also just email me personally, johnny@omniumcpg.com and I'd be happy to respond. To-
0: All right. Well, let's hit the intro music. Thanks for letting me take the steering wheel for this episode. You can hear me talking about e-commerce on my daily podcast Pit Stop, and we are going to be digging a little bit deeper into some of the grocery trends on season two of Rolled Up, which you can subscribe to wherever you enjoy your podcasts.